Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. We begin with verses 1 and 2. Comfort, yet, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort. Speak comfort, our God says. Or probably better, speak tenderly. The word here implies not just the content of what God has to say, but the attitude and the, the tone of the voice he is speaking to us is one of tender affection. In fact, some of the things God is going to tell us through the prophet Isaiah right here, and certainly some of the things he has to tell us in other parts of Scripture as well are not always things we like to hear. We need to be reminded of our sin so that we repent and turn to Jesus. But it is always that tender voice, that same voice that Elijah heard on the cave, on the mountain. You remember how the fire and the wind and the earthquake came and God was not in them, but he was in that still, quiet voice. Again, in the Hebrew, that implies that tender voice of a mother speaking to its child the same voice which which God spoke to Adam calling him to repent of his sin he speaks to us with that tender voice because he knows that we are sad and tired and distressed and depressed and loaded down by cares and worries and the sin both of ourselves and of the world that surround us and so he speaks to us with that tender voice to tell us your striving, your warfare is over because you have received forgiveness from God. Your iniquity is pardoned. And so the Lord reminds us that all who come to Him confessing their sin have received double. Whatever sin you, ha you have, God has given you double the amount in mercy, in grace, in blessing. And so, with these words, he encourages us not to hold back, not to hide our sin, but to openly confess it. Because for each sin we confess, we receive that double mercy. There are some who think that the, the doubleness that God is, is speaking of here is double punishment. And that therefore the sin is forgiven because the, the punishment has been met. But the, the context makes it clear that it's double grace. Your iniquity is pardoned. We continue with verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So over there in the parsonage, we have five bedrooms. And we really only use two of them. One for our daughter and, and one for us, of course. Which means that we have three rooms that we don't use regularly. It's pretty easy for one or two of those to become cluttered, especially when we have guests coming over. When you just pile everything in one room and shut the door, and you're, you're ready, you're prepared, right? Well, God's coming is the opposite. We don't, when, to prepare for God's coming, we don't pile everything into one room and shut the door, but well, God says we should open those doors, bring everything out, because when He comes, He is going to prepare the way by cleaning that sin, by removing that iniquity. And so we ought to bring it out. 
so that the Lord can remove our sin. The one who, there are those, of course, who don't want to admit their sin, who want to always prove that, well, they are right. They want to prove their own rightness, their own righteousness. And we know how this fails. The, the one who has to pr- always has to prove that they're right, they, the, those are the ones who always lose, even from an earthly standpoint. Because a lot of times, because people just, even if they are right, we just get sick of listening to them talk about why they're right, right? And so Jesus, as our example there, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. And we know how before Herod and Pontius Pilate and even the high priest, he didn't defend himself and prove that he was right, but instead he put his trust in his father, uh, that his father would do what is good and his father was in control. Well, this is true even from an earthly standpoint, how much more, the prophet reminds us, is it true before the Lord? He's going to remind us that all flesh is grass. If we try to prove our righteousness before God, that's not going to stand. But if we come instead confessing our sin, we receive that double forgiveness, that double grace, which Isaiah talks about here. And John, the apostle, talks about in his gospel when he says we've all received grace on top of grace. It reminds me of Culver's, right? Because they're a, a single uh, burger is pretty good and a double burger is even better unless you're trying to lose weight. Then it's probably not so good, but it tastes very good. All the more so God's double grace, double portion of His grace is so good for us that so we come confessing our sins to receive forgiveness and the King of glory enters in. Verses 4-8. through eight. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So here the prophet reminds us how so many people think that their righteousness is enough, is a great and beautiful thing. And how the nations of this world praise the righteousness and the deeds of men so that they hold them up even before God. We can imagine a a young girl, a little girl, who wants to make her own Christmas dress. And so she goes and cuts it out but the stitching isn't very good and one sleeve is longer than the other and here she is she puts it on she's so proud of it and yet she's chosen maybe hot pink and lime green and orange as the colors and just the whole thing is just a mess right and so the mom has to say no <laughs> it's good you tried but here let me give you a dress and that's what God is talking about here the nations of the world set themselves before God in their own apparel saying look at what we have done They're just like that little girl. And God has to come and say, no, your righteousness is not going to last. It's nothing. Here is the word of God which stands forever. And the word of God which the prophet talks about here is not the law of God, but the grace of God. The same double portion of His grace that we heard about in verse 2. The double mercy of God with, with the righteousness of Christ with which we are clothed and by which we stand forever before God, even into eternity. 
the word of our God dresses us and stands forever. This is the name that our God chose for himself. The name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, means I am. And it's a reminder that God's promises stand forever. That personal name he gave to Moses. So here we have the name of God, the promises of God, the gospel of God, that double grace of God. These all are speaking of that same thing, which remain this is the clothing which we, which we wear and in which we are able to stand before God. Verse 9. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Here the prophet talks of the very purpose for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, God created them as his people, not so that they could be saved and no one else, but so that through them he could bring forth salvation to the whole world, and that through them this double mercy could be proclaimed. The nation of Israel was created to stand on that mountain. Jerusalem was built on a mountain, literally, in order to metaphorically remind the nation of Israel to proclaim throughout the world, that double mercy of God, that, that name of God. And through the people of Israel, that name, that mercy of God is proclaimed even to this day. As we look back on the history of Israel and we see just how strong, how enduring that word of God is, those promises of God. We see how God chose Abraham even when he was an idolater and brought him out of idolatry and made of him a nation and brought the nation up out of Egypt, and throughout their time in the wilderness, even though they constantly angered God and complained against Him, God's promises, God's mercy stood. The Word of God stood. He remembered His mercy and His promises to Abraham and brought them out of the wilderness. And throughout the time of Judges, uh, he, God had to constantly send the Midianites and the Philistines and the other Canaanites and the other people because they turned away from God, yet God's mercy endured. And the time of the kings, when the kings led the people in idolatry, even to the point where God sent the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and yet in the land of Babylon, God's mercy endured, and he brought them back. And so you see throughout the whole history of the people of Israel this truth, that the word of God endures, his mercy, his promises, and it is proclaimed through them. And therefore, to us, we are reminded, to each of us who think, well, our righteousness is good enough, to everyone who thinks, well, I'm a good person, well, your, God points us to, to Israel. Will your righteousness endure, will your goodness endure like God's mercy, like God's promises endured? And so he calls us to repentance. And to each of us who is afraid, to each of us who knows our sin, to each of us who thinks we have to hide what we have done lest we be cast out from God and from his church and his kingdom, God points us again to Israel. See how his double mercy, how his grace endured through all of their sin and be comforted that his mercy, his grace is enough, more than enough, for your sin as well. You don't need to hide. Israel is like, like a mannequin in a clothing shop, showing off 
the finery and the durability of God's word, God's promise. But now it's no longer just the, the people of Israel, but it's all of us as well. We all have also been clothed in that word of God, in that mercy of God. And so each and every one of us as well can stand and proclaim what God has done for us and show off that mercy of God. The people of Israel failed in the proclamation of God's mercy because they were too interested instead, like that little girl, of showing off their own righteousness, their own clothing. And so also there are churches today that make that same foolish mistake of proclaiming what they think to be relevant, of what they think to be practical, and what they think to be wise. But God reminds us here in his text, all the wisdom of man is like grass. And so we instead take our stand with the Apostle Paul, who reminds us we preach Christ and him crucified, and in that double mercy of God, which lasts forever. Verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for, for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in, in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. The strong arm of the Lord is another name for Jesus. Whenever we see this term in the, New, in the Old Testament, the strong, or in the New, New Testament as well, the strong arm of the Lord or the right hand of the Lord, it's talking about the coming of Jesus. And here he comes with his reward is with him, Isaiah says. That's a Hebrew phrase, which what it means is that he will surely succeed in that which he came for. He already has a reward, so certain uh, is it that he will succeed. It's kind of like as if, if the Packers went and got Vince Lombard, the Vince Lombardi trophy and already brought it back. That would be pretty presumptuous as if to say, it's so certain we're going to win the Super Bowl, we might as well go get it now. Well, it's not that certain this year, is it? Uh, it would be pretty presumptuous, but that's what Jesus does. His reward is with him. He certainly is not going to fail in what he has come to do. And what he has come to do is to lead the little lambs. Jesus also tells us in his gospel, you must become like little children. We can attempt to stand and say to ourselves and God, well, we're grown up, we're adults, we know how to do this, we can lead and guide others, and we can stand on our own. When we do that, then we're like that grass which fades before the word of God, before the breath of God. Instead, we need to humble ourselves and become like little children. We have that song, I am Jesus' little lamb, which the children love to sing. They know it so well and they love to sing it. But we adults sometimes think that we've outgrown it, that we're above and beyond that. We need to learn uh, not to think of ourselves as beyond that, but instead uh, to humble ourselves and learn to cherish once again and not disdain to be called his little lambs. That's what we are. Zechariah, you remember Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he had to learn that same lesson. When the angel appeared to him, he thought too, I'm old, I'm wise, uh, I know the way of the world, this, this can't possibly happen. And because he thought himself old and wise, he even challenged the angel. Oh, surely this, this cannot be. And so God struck him dumb until he learned to humble himself. And when he opened his mouth again, what did he say? He talked about the tender mercies of God. He had learned once again to think of himself as that little lamb 
and, and to proclaim those tender mercies of our God, that double mercy by which Jesus is our shepherd tenderly leading us. This is, <clears throat> sorry, this is the great comfort which Zion, the people of God, all of us are, suppo are supposed to proclaim from the top of the mountain, that Christ is our true shepherd and we are his little lambs. And he leads us with that tender mercy, that double mercy, that endless mercy, which is with us forever, which does not fade and which does not end. Amen.